Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Jonathan Kirsting with Tech Vibe Radio here on News Radio KDK 1020 AM. And I'm on location at Catalyst Connections uh, annual manufacturing reception. This reception draws, I bet you, about 700 people every single year to really celebrate what's happening within manufacturing in southwestern Pennsylvania and just highlighting the success stories of it. And we are here talking to the keynote speaker, Dr. Andrew Keyes, from a little place called NASA. So we're excited to talk to you, uh, Dr. Keyes, about your insights of what's happening with manufacturing, what you think of Pittsburgh, all that kind of great stuff. But first, introduce yourself to our listeners. Who is Dr. Andrew Keyes? And I want to know what got you interested in pursuing manufacturing and technology as some of your interests. Sure. Okay, Jonathan. Well, thank you for the opportunity to talk to you and to be able to uh, talk a little bit about NASA and what I do at the agency. Um, I grew up, I was born in Louisville, Kentucky, but grew up in North Alabama and have always been interested in aerospace. I, um, I'll admit I'm 50 years old, and I'm one of the very few 50-year-old people that I've come across that can remember watching the Apollo missions live. We've all seen the footage. We've all seen uh, Walter Cronkite talking about the landers and the astronauts on the moon and all. But I don't remember Apollo 11, but I do remember some of the later missions. And I remember watching those guys hop around on the moon and just thinking, you know, as a, as a, as a little kid, three- or four-year-old, five-year-old, I remember thinking, that's what I want to do. That's it right there. That is, that is my mission in life. So um, whereas most kids, if you asked a bunch of uh, third graders in the 70s, what do you want to be when you grow up, they're all going to say astronauts. But eventually they kind of get a little more mature and think, okay, maybe, maybe accountant or, you know, or, or uh, enge- engineer or something would be more appropriate. I never lost that vision. I've always wanted to do the, uh, the astronaut thing. Um, I decided to do that. The best thing to do would be to uh, get a good education in engineering and sciences. I uh, went to Auburn University, so I'm a proud alumnus of uh, Auburn University. I got a master's degree uh, or an undergraduate and master's degree in electrical engineering. Went and got a PhD at the University of Alabama in Huntsville and um, applied to the astronaut program. Unfortunately, there were still a lot of those third graders that still had the same ambition, so I didn't get, uh, didn't get accepted. I made their highly qualified list but did not get an interview. Um, but in the meantime, as, uh, as I was working through that, uh, with the degrees I had, I also applied to work at NASA and was very fortunate to be able to get an offer to uh, come to work for the Marshall Space Flight Center in Huntsville, Alabama. Marshall, the Marshall Space Flight Center, is one of 10 NASA field centers across the country. Uh, the one locally to here would be probably the Glenn Research Center in Cleveland. It used to be called Lewis, but uh, in honor of John Glenn, uh, they renamed it uh, several, several years ago. But... Um, Anyway, I do work at Marshall Space Flight Center, and uh, at Marshall, we are known for building big rockets. I like big rockets. Tell us more about that. Big rockets. So Werner von Braun, maybe you've heard of him, uh, was one of the center directors, well, the, the first center director at Marshall, and was responsible for building the Saturn V rocket that took those astronauts I watched uh, all the way to the moon and back. NASA has uh, always had that reputation, particularly Marshall Space Flight Center, of building big rockets. And the one we're working on now... Uh, you may recall we retired the space shuttle a couple of years ago, but... I was a little sad when that happened. 
a little sad, but you know, they had served us well for 30 something years, I think, and it was their time had come to be retired. And uh, in order to replace them, we're currently working on the Space Launch System. Now, that's not a very fancy name. Uh, we all call it short, we all call it SLS for short. Uh, and by the way, if you work at NASA, you have to get very good at the TLAs, <laughs> the three letter acronyms. So we got it's all about the acronyms at NASA. It's all about the TLAs, the three letter acronyms. But the SLS will be the next large man-rated rocket that we will use to launch U.S. astronauts to low Earth orbit and beyond. And that part's important. I like the and beyond. And beyond um, in the very near future. I think the first launch of it is sometime in late 2018. Uh, we're currently cutting metal on this thing and uh, looking forward to getting it ready to go. That is fascinating. Very, very cool. And that's why you're here tonight talking. you got some serious credentials here. I think people want to know what you're going to say. So what are you going to talk about tonight? So what I was asked to talk about is what is that intersection between manufacturing, since this is definitely a manufacturing yeah. community, manufacturing and the future of NASA, where we, where we are planning on going as an agency and as a country. Um, that actually was a pretty easy answer uh, for me anyway, being at Marshall, building these big rockets and such, because we use manufacturing every day. We forget about that, and that's what's so cool, and is that we're using it every day. Every day. And the talk tonight, I'm going to focus on a couple of things. We do manufacturing in a couple of different ways. First of all, manufacturing for space. I just mentioned the big SLS rocket, right? In order to do that rocket, we have to, we have to master metallics so this thing uses an aluminum alloy fuel tank uh, two fuel tanks actually one for oxygen one for hydrogen these are gigantic tanks uh, but we need to be able to ensure that we're welding those properly and we use something called friction stir welding it's not just a guy with an acetylene torch and a hood <laughs> it is a bit that puts pressure and friction on a seam between two pieces of metal and, and joins those metals together using a, a welding technique called friction stir welding so we're using metallics we're using composites one of the things we're looking at is those tanks that carry the fuel weigh a lot. And if we could make the tanks lighter, we could take that mass savings and put it into something important, like the payload we're trying to launch. So we're looking at using composites, which would provide a 30% weight savings if we built the entire tank out of composites, and putting that weight savings up into the payload. Now, I need to be very clear, we're not going to fly composites initially, but we're still doing the research on making sure that these things would be reliable enough for us to fly on future missions. And also, we're using additive manufacturing. So people have called it 3D printing, they've called it uh, rapid prototyping a long time ago, but additive manufacturing is becoming a huge benefit in the aerospace industry because we're able to take parts that were previously made using traditional casting or forging and machining and had lots of different labor-intensive parts that people had to screw together and torque just to the right specifications all. We're taking all those components and looking at how we can use additive manufacturing to combine part numbers, reduce those part numbers down to something uh, just, just much less than what they were, make them less labor-intensive or touch-intensive as we say and be able to, to additively create parts that previously had to be machined and drilled, um, very labor-intensive and, and took a lot of time, and time is money, even in the aerospace industry. So our plan is to prototype air additive manufacturing, building rocket engines, turbo pumps, um, injection chambers, lots of different components that have to work right for rockets to go up, uh, and show how those prototypes can reduce the cost of building new rocket engines and then as the government is supposed to do 
we turn that information over to manufacturers so that they can use those techniques and use those prototypes to then bid back to us engines and rockets that are going to cost the government less. That is cool. And you get to have a lot of fun then. <laughs> well, I can tell you're working on the absolute leading edge. And I could see you inspiring a whole new generation of kids to be doing what you're doing. Because that sounds like something that I think a lot of folks would be interested in learning more about. Tell me a little bit about that. Okay, so this sounds a little trite. But the, the next generation, the kids that are in school today, that are in high school, middle school, elementary school, they are the future, not only of this country, but of this agency. Uh, we've said several times before NASA wants to go to the Mars environment, possibly do a manned landing on Mars by sometime in the mid-2030s. And if you do your math, then those astronauts who are going to be landing on Mars are in school today. So it is important that we continue to pass on this interest, this fascination, uh, this obsession with uh, knowing how things work, how manufacturing works, how technology works. It's important that we pass that on to the kids of, uh, in school today because they are going to be the ones that are leading this agency forward in the future. Um, now, how do you inspire them? It's my opinion that mathematics, science, uh, even things that NASA's interested in like biology, um, engineering, all of these things are accessible to students. We just have to give them that courage and reduce the intimidation factor. Make it relevant, too. Make it relevant. Tell them how this helps their lives every day. But, um, you know, I ask kids, so why, what's wrong with math? What's wrong with science? And even though they won't say it, I get a sense there's a little bit of intimidation because they know it's hard and you have to understand it and you have to study it. we got to reduce that because, you know, just about anybody can add two numbers. And anybody can multiply two numbers. And if you're taught the right way to do it, you can do long division. And if you keep building on that, before you know it, you've taught somebody how to do calculus integrals. So I believe that that capability is accessible to anyone. And we need to reduce that intimidation factor, get them interested in math and sciences by showing them what that sort of thing can lead to. Rockets to the moon or to Mars, habitats in deep space, exploration of the solar system. I know that inspires me, and that's a lot of how I got to where I am. I think you just inspired me at this point, yeah. So, so we've got about a minute or so left. What are your thoughts on, on Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh region as like a manufacturing and kind of technology hub? So I am from Alabama, but I do know what the Rust Belt means, and I know this entire area. It has been known uh, for uh, steelwork, for mining, for processing, for those that casting and forging capability I mentioned earlier that, that makes a lot of the things we use on a daily basis. And in order to do that, as, as we progress forward in our capabilities with technology and such, technology comes along with that. So in order to now today do uh, advanced work in metallics, advanced work in uh, industry, you've got to know the technology that goes along with it, the robotics, the sensors, the control of your processes. And so those two things go hand in hand. And I think that makes, makes the Pittsburgh area an ideal location for technology and manufacturing and steelwork, for all of those things to come together uh, in an area that should be known for innovation and should be able to promote that, uh, not just here in Pittsburgh, but across the Rust Belt area and the entire country. Dr. Andrew Keyes from NASA. What cool stuff. We're so glad to have you here in the city checking us out and for us to learn and be inspired by you. Awesome, awesome stuff. This has been Jonathan Kirsting with uh, Tech Vibe Radio in the Pittsburgh Technology Council. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.